to say there, not much to do. Claps. Get some claps in. That's how the queen claps. Doesn't sound like claps, though, does it? Apologies. Okay, Subkits, how are you doing today? Welcome to the very first solo podcast of 2021. That was such a nice intro. I feel like I could end it there. Nothing else would have to happen. But welcome back. It's been, it's been a while. It's been, well, it's been a month. It's been a month for you guys, but for me it's been a while. It's not even actually been a month because uh, I'm recording this in December. I'm still in 2020. 2020 still has me in its, its grasp. There's nothing I could do about it. There's no escape from it. If you don't know, through the last few months now, I've been doing a, a stream. I've been doing a daily stream. I got into season two of doing my lockdown streams. I did season one where I did a drawing every day, and this one I've been coloring. I've been doing all sorts. I've been getting into a whole wide range of things, uh, keeping myself entertained, essentially. You know, lockdown light, as I like to call it, because this is not full lockdown, but also we still can't do anything. So we're in lockdown light. Uh, oh, well, no, we can do something. We can spend money. That's an important factor. Uh, that's an important factor. You can spend money, and that's the, that's key to your life, or is at least key to the government's life. Uh, your life's not key to the government's life, as we've as we st- steadily proved throughout the year. But uh, I digress. I didn't want to get into that at the very beginning of this podcast. I want to start off on something, not light, but interesting. So a question came up on the stream. I've been streaming in a few places, and I found a really interesting kind of the feedback I get from people um, and the topics which get suggested and, and how people present their thoughts and feelings. And a question came up, which was kind of a sense along these lines of uh, favorite films and different favorite films. And films are a big part for me. I, I studied film. So getting involved with films and, and what's going on in them is, is hugely important to me. It interests me greatly. And a lot of my, my favorite memories of my life are connected to films. There's, there's no... You know, no disconnect from that. I can't, I can't escape that. There's no no way I could escape that. Um, but that that's true. So we got into this discussion of favorite films and a few film recommendations. And someone suggested the film Seven, which is a great film, by the way. Um, sorry, I'm getting paranoid. That my thing's not recording, but it's definitely recording. But if someone suggested the film Seven, and I thought that's an interesting film suggestion. That right there is an interesting film suggestion. So it's a fantastic film. If you don't know, Seven is a is a, is a thriller horror by David Fincher. It's one of his finest works. Um, but the the point which kind of comes to the crux of the matter here is is the, the one of the stars of said film is Kevin Spacey. And as a film, it's not one which I tend to suggest to people. I will say, if someone asks me about, it, I say, yeah, it's great. It's you know, it's a fantastic film to watch, and you should go. You should watch it if you get the opportunity. But uh, you know, don't actively seek it out. It's not something which uh, I do think is is one you actively seek out. But if I mean you're watching this podcast, you might you might do that. You might go circuit and seek out. It is a fantastic film, but it does raise that question of what your responsibility is as an artist when you release work. It raises that bigger question of at what point does does artwork and creation stop being your responsibility? And I know that's a heavy topic. That's a heavy topic to start off in January 2021. Maybe no light topics this year. 
do we do light topics? I haven't I haven't seen the light topics. Graham, can you can you check the books? See if there's there's light topics for us to cover? Or are we going to start off heavy and and lose the, 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 the shallow audience we have right now? I appreciate your audience. Uh but between between this first ten minute period, YouTube algorithm tells us people stop watching within the first ten ten minute period. So if you made it this far, fantastic. We are with us for a long time. But that's another question. You know, I'm so I've been doing these streams every day, which is me, you know, off the cuff chatting to the world around me, and that's that's dangerous. It's dangerous. Someone could easily take something out of context. Someone take, could take one of my uh, my podcasts and, and out of context. People have have done that in the past. I have had been questioned about it, and there's nothing much I could really do to avoid that, bar from just defend myself in the, in the way which I saw fit at the time. But it's that there is that huge question, you know. It's, it's that kind of thing of whether you can enjoy something after a long period of time, or whether you should blame the whole thing. So with with seven, um, it brought up this conversation. People had different views on it, and some people I know it's got Kevin Spacey in it, so I'll never watch it again. Um, another film came up on my Netflix feed, which was American Beauty. Again, it was a fantastic film, but the lead actor in that again is Kevin Spacey, and that actually gets a new, um, what's the word, a new level of intricacies of the story if you take into account what Kevin Spacey was in, investigated for and all the, the hoopla and and things surrounding that. I'm not using serious terms because I don't know too much about it, but obviously I know that he w- was... I think he was arrested. I feel like he was arrested. And there's some very serious things, and I don't want to besmirch the victims um, of that situation. And I also don't want to, you know, shout anything out and say, say something which is wrong, you know. So we're, we're tiptoeing. But... He's one of the lead actors in that, and what that story is about him um, and a young girl who is essentially underage, a, a schoolgirl, um, and his neighbour who is struggling with his sexuality and all these different things. And there's all these, these these little layers, which is what makes it a brilliant film. But now that you know that the actor had these issues and um, did these things, it turns another another layer to it. I think one of my persines um, is a brief glimpse to... Uh, Lost Prophets in one of my scenes. I discussed the fact that Shinobi vs. Dragon Ninja is a fantastic song and is a f- song which holds a lot of memories for me. It's 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 a, one of my youth. It was on one of the Kerrang! Best of albums. And it's a it's a really impactful song. It's something which really gets me going every time I hear it. I'm like, yes, Shinobi vs. Dragon Ninja. And then two seconds later, literally two seconds later, my brain clicks in and goes, oh, who's the spy? Oh, it's Lost Prophets. Oh, Ian Watkins. Oh, he's a pedophile. Oh, and the world drifts on, and we have to realize that that's that's a thing, and it ruins it. It takes it away. It, it says, you know, stop, don't listen to it. And I do, I do stop, and I, I don't listen to it. And that's a very real thing. The thing with films I find interesting, and this, the same happened recently with games. Um, and a lot of this kind of comes into play with with the contextualization of a lot of this work. So let's let's start off. Let's roll back a little bit on this thought process because I've jumped far ahead in in my deconstruction of this because this is actually the second time I recorded this. The first time around, I didn't feel like it made the point which I wanted it to make. Uh, not that I have a point really. Nice awkward gap there for you to for you to consider it, consider. It. So I like to you guys to make your own decisions. I just explain how I how I process these thoughts. <laughs> we're we're totally off track. Back to the point. So back to the point. So. 
obviously, so with a, with a film, so like with Seven, right? You know, Seven's a massive production. It's it's you know got a huge cast. It stars Morgan Freeman, stars Brad Pitt. You know, both of them, as far as I know, are still decent human beings. We never know; things get revealed. And you know, you've also got to consider all the staff who worked on it, the studios which put things out, and the the world which was created around that story in order to make that story reach the screen. So. Do you watch that film because the rest of the world cannot be held accountable for the actions of a single human being? Or do you discard all of the hard work they did just because there is one human being in it who you know did something wrong? That's essentially the crux of the question which I was posed within my stream. And the same can be said for games. You know, there's been companies and different bits and actors who have come out and done things and said things, and then they've removed it. You know, they they there's been calls to cancel the game and boycott the game harry potter is the that was the main example i was thinking oh i shouldn't have led in with seven i should have read in with harry potter so if you don't know let's take you a little again i'm not going to go into too much detail because again i don't want to put a foot wrong and insult some people who don't need this insulting i i only like to insult the people who deserve some insulting harry potter so jk rowling is outwardly against trans people essentially. That's the crux of it. That's as much as you need to know on the face value. She's outwardly, outwardly against trans people, doesn't believe they're really people, from what it, from what I've understood the matter. I'm hugely oversimplifying here to make a point. Um, but that's a whole thing. So that's been heavily publicized in the news. And then she wrote a new book, and she wrote this book, and I think it's a horror or a thriller, and I can't remember which, but in the book, the main villain, or the murderer, is a man who dresses up like a woman. I don't know what the classification is or within the story or what what has been said along those lines. But essentially, the context of the writer it came from was drastically important. A friend of mine, we were discussing it and saying, well, why does it matter? You know, why why is that a thing? I was like, because if it came from, you know, if it came from anybody else, just like a standard writer, if any random writer had written into their story that their murder dressed as a woman and, and was male, um, it wouldn't be any any major scandal. Right? It would be bad writing. It would be an insult to the trans community, and it would be an insult to the world around it, as is most Pulp Fiction crap. Right? It would just be another piece of fodder. It would be something which is ignorable. It would be something which you kind of just discard, and you go, oh, actually, yeah, no, that's that's just shit writing. You know, it's the same way when you get horror films and they use... Uh, schizophrenia as a thing i've been guilty of that i've written it in scripts and then handed it over to psychology friends and they said what the fuck is this and i'm like yeah actually no you've got a you've got a really great point um you know bipolar disorder other things kleptomania these these terms just get thrown around as cheap character development plot points and that's something we need to stop because representation in media is hugely damaging to these people who are already in a vulnerable situation. That's a clear point to make right here, guys. Just just deep in the middle, halfway point-esque of this of this podcast. But, so, this came from J.K. Rowling, who obviously has these outward views, who obviously has these views within the writing which they are writing, and thus, the book takes on a new meaning, because suddenly the book has context of the creator. Kind of like, if you know a book has a main character who is a villain, who is for real simple simpleness of where I'm going with this, who is black, and then you find out the writer is racist, that 
that's the base it's the same trucks you are you're putting it from a writer who's coming out and saying well no this is what i believe and i've put it into a story now because this is this is my reality and this is how i see the world that's what is happening that's what's happening right there so obviously you boycott the book you know you boycott the book you cancel the book you do whatever you need to do to highlight that this is what it's coming from and that was there was such a huge important contextual point however that's from one writer right that's that's one writer that's a singular point bringing out work. The same with me producing work. You know, I, I produce. I thought about this before, and I think it's, it's important to kind of look into it. You know, as an artist, you are representing parts of yourself within your work. Whether you want to or not, there is no avoiding it, right? There's just literally no avoiding it. Everyone puts part of themselves into their work. It doesn't even have to be art. It can be anything you do, which involves some level of creativeness, you slide yourself into your artwork, right? So when you produce artwork, you have a responsibility for that artwork. So for instance, I have that t-shirt. Yeah, you've all seen it. Oh, you should have seen it. If you haven't, yell at concrete.biggatel.com. Cheeky plug in the middle. So I have a t-shirt which says, "Get uh, drink coffee, get fucked, and die young. That's a slogan to live by. That's a slogan I truly believe in. And it's a slogan which I really like because it works on so many levels. However, to the outside viewer, that slogan could be quite damaging and it all depends on how you read it which is why i love it because it's a slogan with a different concept so you know drink coffee get fucked and die young that could be seen as a you know it could be seen as an outward expression from the the t-shirt wearer because this is why it's on a t-shirt by the way as a concept it could be seen as an outward expression of the t-shirt wearer telling the world to get fucked just drink a coffee and that they should all kill themselves that you know that's one way of interpreting it another way of interpreting it is in a very uh, for lack of a better term yolo fashion which would be to drink some coffee to get yourself fucked and to die young by being reckless that's another way of interpreting that t-shirt and another way of interpreting that t-shirt would be to say hey you know this is the system i'm within a lot of t-shirts have uh, branded slogans on like just do it or I mean, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. But a lot of sports brands, you know, you get the FC UK t-shirt, all these kinds of things. And you could, instead of what I could, instead of slapping my name on something, all I've done is create a slogan. I create a slogan which represents the system which you're in and a lot of other brands uh, seem to embody, but have yet to put it in those clear terms. So I put in my in very clear terms that we all we do is we drink coffee, we get fucked and we die young. That's, that's our reality. So what am I saying? I'm kind of real. Real off-topic point here. So what I'm saying is you can you can read that in three ways. But it's my responsibility, right? It's my responsibility to do risk assessment on that T-shirt, on that design, and whether I am willing to take responsibility for that within the world. Because you could really read that in a very negative way, right? You could read that in a way where someone could go out and misinterpret it. And they could read it as, this is a great way to live my life. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to drink coffee. I'm going to have sex with everybody. And um, I'm going to die young. And they they could interpret that very badly. And that's something I'd never want. That's something which I'd never want to be responsible for. You know, imagine having that weighing on your conscience. But you do a level of this. You do a level of risk assessment when you make work. And in doing that, you are responsible for that as an artist. And any writer or musician is responsible for the work they put out. They have to be. That's there's just you can't you can't disconnect that. But at some point at some point, right? Is there a disconnect? Is there a stage 
when this stops becoming their responsibility? So like with American Beauty. I need to look up who made American Beauty. Sorry, I'm going to take an American Beauty. It's a 1999 film. American Beauty. Uh, it was, so it was produced by Bruce Cohen and Jack Dinks. I didn't know it was produced by Drew Cohen. Who, who directed it, though? That is the real question. So it was written by Alan Bell, directed by Sam Mendes. Um, so Alan Bell's a screenwriter. He would have written written it for whatever reason. Um, Sam Mendes is, you know, I mean, just looking at the filmography. American Beauty, Road to Perdition, Jarhead, Things We Lost in the Fire, uh, Skyfall, Spectre. Pretty big director, right? But at some point, in fact, American Beauty was the, the debut director, directorial film. Right? So at some point, they've got to consider whether they want to have that film, you know, continuously promoted and produced. They no longer have control of that film, I would, I would imagine, because it will have been made by a studio. So the studio will decide what happens with it. So at that point, is it no longer the responsibility of, like, Sam Mendes? Is it is it no longer is it the the responsibility of Alan Ball who wrote the thing, or does the responsibility lie purely with Kevin Spacey? The same for music. I think you know we mentioned Lost Profits earlier. Lost Profits, they decided on their own terms that when all of this stuff was revealed and was going on, that they just they closed the Lost Profits door. They said to themselves, "No, this is this is wrong. We do not agree with any of it." Therefore, we are closing this door and we don't want to profit from it anyway. They made that that pure decision to just cut it off. And in doing so, obviously, they would have cost themselves so much money. So much money. But at the same time, you know, the money doesn't outweigh the crime. They made that decision just to cut it off. Now, when the music comes on, do I make a decision to stop listening to it? Do I, you know, do I do I have to balance it in my head to say well i've got a lot of enjoyment from this music i've got a lot of you know happiness from this music should i feel bad about that happiness should i feel like i need to change my ways because i didn't know no because i had no idea you can't control the media which is brought to you and this is a very important point when you consider this i think is you can't control the media which is brought to you i find this all the time right so i'm, I'm pretty careful with how i pick podcast guests um and in doing so, I have to do a little bit of research. You know, we have to do a little bit of legwork. And you have to find out, first off, who you're interviewing. Find out what they're all about. Uh, and, and, you know, look for the red flags. That's all we, all we can actually do. That's all you can do with anything. And I think that's that's true with the media consume. I think you have to look at everything you are consuming and just do a little bit of legwork. That's all it is. If you're not doing legwork, you'll find yourself in these awkward situations where you're thinking, damn, what is what, what is this? I had a really int- I had a conversation with my dad um, over Christmas, and w- w- whilst we we differ on our our views of the world, we're very, at the same time we're very both very proud, we're both very uh, stubborn when it comes to our views, and for the most part we agree, but there's key points and key ways of approaching things, which um, we differ on. Yeah. So we got discussing old films and old TV and, and we got on about cancel culture and all that kind of stuff as you do when you're in a generational gap and he was saying oh yeah but you can't you know they're, they're taking all these TV shows away and I'm like well why is that a bad thing you know from my point of view why, I'm like why is that a bad thing why is that something which we should be concerned about it's like well yeah because there's a, you're taking away the stuff which gave us joy and gave us happiness and you know we didn't see it as this at the time and, and, and it's a different generation I'm like yeah, okay, I can see it from your point of view. It's stopping you enjoying something which you've once derived pre- pleasure from. 
however, at the same time, I'm like, well, you're thinking of it from a very insular point of view. You're thinking of it from a point of view of how does this affect me? You know, not how does this affect the world around me? And uh, we live in a generation now, which is the, probably one of the first generations where we're having to have that conversation with a lot of people because it's the main thing which is being considered. There's that thing recently of um, some reality TV show basically got cancelled because it turned out that one of the contestants had white supremacist tattoos. You know, with media and how it's being consumed and the audience reaction to it and how it affects other people is being considered much more heavily than ever before within our society. And I think when it comes to arts, it's, it's, it's a level of needing to have control of it. And needing to take that responsibility. Obviously, artists aren't going to be around forever. You know, you, you, your work can be co-opted quite easily. You know, you look at memes. Memes are essentially just co-opting art. And you don't have a choice of how that work is co-opted once it's gone viral. You don't have a choice of how people are consuming it, what could happen with it. You could get picked up by something completely trivial. You know, there could be a company out there in another country which is picking your work up and going, oh, hey, well, this would be great for our, our slogan. We'll slap it under the slogan. We'll pay them. You'll get a royalty check. And at that point, you're like, okay, well, damn, here's all this money. Um, but at the same time, in that same breath, you could have a group of white supremacists pick up your design and start using it for all that stuff. That happened to uh, the artist who created Pepe the, Pepe the Frog. Frog. He he's you know there's a documentary uh, called Feels Good Man, which is all about Pepe the Frog, and he became a meme, but then got co-opted by uh, a bunch of racists, and it's such a strange way of the alt right taking something. But you have no choice about that. You have no control over that, and you, it it's really important how you handle that situation. You know, because if you ignore it. It becomes worse, obviously, with anything. But if you try to fight against it, you do the risk that it just gets even bigger, gets even stranger. And I think, I think as viewers and I think as consumers of content, you have to take the responsibility. You know, I think maybe this is what I'm getting to. I think as a society, we don't really have much control anymore over what we see and what we don't see. You're shown everything or you're shown nothing. You live in your little echo, echo chambers. There's no choice about that. Um, and you're introduced to things on much a much a slower basis, but also a very fast-paced basis. You can see something you never wanted to see. We've all seen things we didn't really want to see. Um, but I think you have to take responsibility for what you put out into the world as artists. Uh, another example of that would be uh, the Anarchist Cookbook, which was um, a textbook which was basically... It was done tongue-in-cheek, by someone who was quite young at the time and produced with a way to make explosives and, and pipe bombs and all these kinds of crazy things which were done as a way of like, oh yeah, look, you know, fuck the system. I'm going to make these things and do all this and you know, anarchist, rah, 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 rah. And then now he's just an old man who teaches and people have used the work he put out there to do terrible, terrible things. And the documentary I watched on it, he he never really tried to take responsibility for it because he didn't feel like he needed to. He felt like, you know, oh, I'll put it out there. And, you know, I, I asked for it to stop being printed and the, the publishers didn't really do anything with it. Uh, 
I, I, you know, I've done what all I can. It's like, well, really, you haven't. You know, you could you could stand more against it. You could stand up against it in a bigger way. You could you could get involved with that. And I think at the end of the documentary, he did he got more involved with with trying to prevent the the spread of that information because of the damage it could do. But that's the thing. You got to take that damage, and you got to you got to take responsibility for that art in the same way the lost prophets did, in the same way anyone else did. But I think as an audience, you have to do that as well. I think as an audience, because we're receiving so much media and because we're so drowned in so much content, there's a responsibility between us to sit back and go, okay, right, I've seen this thing or I'm going to watch this thing. Or, you know, I've heard this song. Um, I'm going to look into it a little bit. I'm not just going to start consuming things. I'm not just going to start singing along and saying, hey, you know, this is cool. I found this cool thing. There's a, no, I think there's a responsibility to do that a little extra bit of legwork. Yeah. Because... Our enjoyment is outweighed by the need to help, I think, from my personal point of view. You know, is does it affect my life in a negative way? Sure. Does it affect my life in a way which is, oh, well, you know, I can't watch that film anymore or I can't listen to that song anymore? Yeah, it does. But at the same time, I'm completely aware that having that content out in the world on a regular basis, being promoted, is damaging to the people who don't have happier memories associated with that content. And this is different to just, you know, a song playing in the background while something somebody watches a car crash or something traumatic. It's different to that. This is more the person they see as their biggest villain in their life, and even if they're in prison, even if they're wherever, um, profiteering and getting credit and kudos for being out there in the world and you enabling that so will I watch 7 again? yeah I probably will watch 7 again because I recognise that it's a very large production and there's a lot of work which went into it around it do I regularly advertise it? no do I recommend it to friends? sure but I warn them that Kevin Spacey's in it yeah do I still listen to Shinobi versus Dragon Ninja? No. And I don't recommend Lost Profits to anybody. But that's just how I chose to tackle that. I don't think you can entirely remove art from the artist. I don't think once you release something, you become absolved of your participation in creating it. And I think as an audience... You're never absolved of allowing that work out there. You take on as much responsibility as the artist. I'd love to hear what you guys think, though. And how you tackle these things. Hmm. Let me know what you think. Welcome back to 2021. Hopefully you're not turning off this podcast for something I've done. I don't know what I've done. I'll talk to you guys later.